Let's do this thing, man. All right, so let's. Uh, you know what? This is. I'm very. I'm very excited. Let's 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 count this uh, bad thing down. And five, four. It's the show. Three. It's the show. Two. It's the best and the worst of the show. One. Welcome, everybody. It's it's the S-T-N-G-E-E best of show. That's all I worked on, okay? I, I, now I feel bad for stepping on that. That was so good. Hey, 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 hey. Wake I, the kids, everybody. Wake the kids. Uh, oh, they're, wo- they're woken. I, I did not go to uh, 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 all those drama camps for nothing. Wow. Wow. Okay. There's a bunch of things I could say, but what I'm going to say is welcome, everybody, to STDNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. I, I'm serious. They're just everywhere right now. It's like uh, some sort of pandemic with these Star Trek podcasts. You know what I'm saying, Dave? They're they're spreading, I guess. And I, I of course, am the delightful Ambassador Andrew. And with me, as always, my colleague, my my close personal friend, this guy right here, Commander Dave E. Dave. Dave E. Dave. Don't forget the E, because you'll confuse That's- him. With other Dave Daves, and that just will not work. There's a lot of us out here in the world. Well, today we have a very exciting episode for you. First of all, can you believe it, listeners? We have actually made it to the end of season one. Oh my God, I never thought <laughs> it would happen. It's our Everest, man. Well, I, I just want to say, when we, when we started this podcast, neither of us could vote or buy alcohol, and now we're voting five or six times in every election, and we're mostly drunk. No, there's no drinking. Well, except for this. That's my last Perrier of the season. Here, here, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. I, of course, am having a boobly because, you know, I'm a man of the people. Well, listen, listen. This is the podcast that counts down the episodes of TNG, and we just made it through season one. <laughs> yes, yes, barely. Barely, apparently. We, we just made it through season one of Star Trek The Next Generation, and that is episodes 1 through 25, Andrew. And and now we decided we're going to do a best of, worst of show to go back and kind of revisit the season and then and then put it to bed is what we're going to do, right? Yeah, so we're Once so it's, for all. it's it's kind of a loving look back. It's kind of a rewatch of our rewatch is what we're having. Uh, both of those things. And and, and what we're going to do is we we've got a great list of categories that we're going to go through and give our opinions of what we thought was the best, what we thought was the worst. And, and, and I just want to tell everybody that neither one of us has shared our best of or worst of with each other. Yeah, I don't like to share. No, no, me neither. So what do you mean, best and worst like what? Like 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 what? Give me an example here. Well, like we, we've got the you know best, worst episode, of course. We've got your, your best and your worst action moment. Oh, that that's, I'm intrigued. And, and if you guys have stayed with us most of the season, uh, we have our best and worst fecal episode because uh, uh, for some reason we've we've concentrated on, on the toilet quite a bit this this season. We don't have this particular category, but we did have a lot of conversation for those of you who've been with us for the whole ride. Uh, we've been very concerned about whether or not people are actually defecating on uh, the Enterprise D, or if, in fact, it's being transported out of their bodies. Dave developed a theory that Commander Riker's seating ritual, his odd way of taking a seat, is based on the fact that he does not defecate. His stepping over of the chair. 
So we're going to go category by category. <laughs> Give us your best and your worst. Yeah. I, th- I yes. think we should just, let's just dive in. I, so here's our first one. Our first category is main character, who we thought was uh. the best main character in this first season, who we thought was the worst. Dave, why don't you start by giving us who you thought was your best main character? Uh, listen, listen, I, I was a little conflicted about this. And, 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 and some people might say, of course, it's JLP, John Luke Picard. Ah. But then I got to tell you, he's gone through a lot of so many changes this season. You know, he started out the grumpy old captain. And yes. uh, I think the show and Patrick Stewart himself really transforms that character through the season. I think the best character this season is Data. And it's because wow. I think Data is more consistent through the season than Jean-Luc. Uh, even though, even though I, you know, I love Jean-Luc and I think he's my favorite character on the show overall, uh, I'm picking Data for best. You know what? I'm going to agree with you. It wasn't mm-hmm. Jean-Luc because of what you said. I mean, he's still finding his way here. And that's also true of Data, because the Data we see in Farpoint is not the Data we see in the neutral zone. Sure. But throughout the whole thing, one of the things that I like about Data is we do get some background with lore, his development, some of his origin story is is presented in this first season. And he does change, and he does change for the better. I mean, that whistling, grinning, uh, silly person that we had an encounter at Farpoint yes. is thankfully by the second episode no longer that character. He's already starting to sort of mature and sober. What he knows, what he doesn't know, what his skills are, what he can do and can't do. But the thing is, to me, he's just funny and interesting from the start. And every time he's on the screen, it's engaging. Agreed. When I was thinking about weighing him against Jean-Luc, I was also thinking he's not perfect. They're still working on him, and, and he's a robot, so he's he's flatter. He's a flatter character just because they're playing this android like this, and so maybe there just wasn't as much work to do to get him to be the data that he becomes later on. You know, and also I, I think from the Jean-Luc perspective, he's he's really carrying the show. I mean, he's doing the heavy lifting, and I'm not sure if that's what they intended from the beginning, but we can see it shaping up that way already in season one. Well, I also think with Jean-Luc, the one thing that kind of bothers me, and we'll see how I feel about it over the course of the series, is that he becomes, I don't don't want to say too developed, but it's like he becomes the ultimate answer to things. It's very rare that we're going to come across him where he doesn't have the right thing to say or know the right thing to do. And those moments, of course, are interesting when he is sort of befuddled or lost. But even already in this first season, he's the guy you bring down when you need to rescue Wesley from God because he fell into a planner. <laughs> Justice. So, you know, in Skin of Evil, he's the one that squares away Armas. Sure. And he's the one that goes toe-to-toe with Q, right? An entity that no right. human should be able to match wits with. He's already matching wits with him, and he's just going to become more, you know, amazing as the series goes on. (laughs) I think the other thing with Data that stands out for me, and this is really more about Data than anything else, is the very last episode, the neutral zone, he does the thing that Data's going to do more than once, which is he creates a problem by behaving the way he feels he's supposed to behave. So he is taught to value life, so he rescues those sleepers. And both Picard and Riker are like, Data, you know, they were dead. You couldn't just leave him. 
there's going to be other episodes, uh, the famous episode Pen Pals in the second season, where Data is going to cause trouble, but out of the best of intentions, because he is the purest of the characters. And I think there's something about that that's just charming and engaging. And plus, Brent Spiner is just a killer. I mean, he's really, really good. Yes, he's great. I agree. I I love Brent Spiner, and I think especially in... Data lore, you see him really shining. I mean, he's caring a lot. That's his kind of spotlight episode, right, is when he's playing those dual roles. And we talked about it when we talk about the job he does not only... You know, I mean, physically, he's he's also a very great physical actor, and sure. he's able to create physical cues that we as an audience learn to appreciate. So who's your worst? I say Yar. Oh, my gosh. Because I think Yar, and, you know, I really like the actor, Denise Crosby. I love the character, but she just does not live up to the potential of the character, and it's so disappointing. And, and of course, uh, we should all know by now that Yar dies in episode 23. Wait, what? What happens? <laughs> Yar dies. Uh, spoiler. Do you do huh? your spoiler? Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. You know, unlike the Enterprise crew, I did remember that she died. She did die. Um, it's episode 22, and- folks. I'm sorry. I said the wrong one. It's episode 22, Skin of Evil. Her character had so much potential, and there's so much backstory that could have yes. been so interesting. The fact that they created a position for a female head of security was so great and ambitious for mainstream television at the time, and then they just did nothing with her, and they made her stand around. There's a bunch of episodes right. where she's just ineffectual. Answer the phone. Okay, I'm going to blow your mind here. Yes. I'm going to blow your mind. Get, get ready, number one. Because my choice... Yes. My choice, Deanna Troy, ah. is not my choice. My choice oh. is also my choice is also Tasha Yar, <laughs> for the exact <laughs> same reasons. Get out of here. No, for the exact same reasons. And she starts strong mm. and then diminishes over time until she is finally just swacked across the <laughs> soundstage. Hey! It's, it's heartbreaking how much wasted potential there is here. Excuse me, Andrew. It's me, Armis, calling in. Hey, Armis. How you doing? The very exciting folks, Armis. Uh, pretty good, Andrew. I feel pretty bad about smacking the crap out of that yar. <laughs> Sorry. Do you not feel bad about being covered with Metamucil and printer's ink? You should try it. It's It's delightful. It's like a day at the spa in the mud baths. It's good for the skin. Opens the pores. I'm completely exfoliated. Up the butt. I gotta. T- <laughs> I have to tell you, Armis, the uh, the best thing you've ever done is kill Yar because that made her twenty times more engaging than she had been for the rest of the season. <laughs> but I also love Denise Crosby. I we, I love her too, and I think she's great. And the shame is that I just would have loved to have seen that character continue. And, and she obviously was frustrated and left, but I still would have loved to have seen her in the entire series and, and who knows what they would have done with her if she stayed on it, it could have been interesting and some of the other characters didn't have a lot going on in the beginning as well and they opened up more and they either did something with them or in troy's case sometimes they didn't do enough with her recently i i was uh, celebrating my birth and my lovely wife was kind you enough mean, to you, get you me mean, a cameo. You know what a cameo is, right? Yes, yes. But can I, can I ask you to clarify something? One of those little recordings? Yes, I love those. Can, yeah. I, can I ask you to clarify something? When you say birth, you mean yes. the birth of you, right? Yes, my birthday. <laughs> my birthday. What, what did you think you I meant? You said my, I celebrated my birth and some people <laughs> have, uh, you know, children they birth. So I didn't know what you were insinuating there. Oh, no, 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 no. 
no, I wouldn't celebrate that anyway. I, I celebrated my own Come birthday. Come on. Let's, let's prioritize. And my, my wife was kind enough, because she foolishly loves me, to get me a, a cameo greeting from Denise Crosby. Yes. And it, it, it tickled me to no end. I, I couldn't stop giggling about it. And it was, it was very nice. I mean, she was just very sweet about it. She was. And I'm sure that these people are exhausted <laughs> with talking to fans and being nice to people they don't know. Right. But she actually convinced me that she cared about me. <laughs> all right, all right, Denise, come on, come on, come on, get, 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 get this one up next. It's Andrew Christian Remt. <laughs> Would you like to do the next category, Dave? Hold on, it's me, Armis. I'm calling to say happy birthday, Andrew. Later on, I'm gonna come over and give you a nice Metamucil infused <laughs> massage. Thanks for being the best fan. What? Well, gosh, thank you, Armis. And and Andrew, happy birth to you. Okay, the, like, like, like we're two for two now. Folks, we didn't compare these notes. Our, our next category is the best episode, worst episode of TNG season one. Andrew, what do you think? Well, this was really uh, harder than one would expect it to be because there were some episodes that stick with me that were just delightful. I mean... The Big Goodbye I like a lot. Oh, yes, yes. Data Lore I like a lot. Sure. Haven. But I decided that I had to stick with the episode that has has stuck with me, that, that I retained coming away from this, this season mm. for years afterwards when I first saw it, and that was Conspiracy. Mm. It, it's exciting. There's some really great moments. It's properly gross. It is, as we discussed, a bit of an anomaly yeah. in terms of the show, so it kind of stands out just by being so different. There's just some great moments in it. You know, they blow a guy to pieces. You got <laughs> How can you not like that? He, that dude explodes right on screen, if you can believe it. Yes, he does. Apparently, if you, if you fill somebody up with two phaser uh, s- streams, you call them streams? Uh, uh, beams, I know that, but you could say streams, too. Yes, uh, sure, okay. Uh, I guess you explode from the inside out. I suppose so. I don't know why he didn't just disintegrate, <laughs> you know, but instead he exploded. But it's cooler that he exploded. We seek peaceful coexistence. In the meantime, his, his neck is like, it looks like Mitch McConnell. And it, it's it's just awful. Riker looks at Picard like, what are we doing? And Picard's like, what do you think? We blow this shit up, man. <laughs> A great moment. That's my favorite moment. They look at each other like, oh, hell no. You know what to do. I, I was doing some of our episode art. You know, we draw the art for each episode, but we bring in a lot of reference to help us out. And I had to have the reference shot of this uh, gruesome uh, scene where the guy explodes, if you haven't seen it on the website yet. And, and, my, and my kid walked up and said, oh, Dad, what is that? And then I, I kind of felt, you know, bad. Like, oh, my God, this is <laughs> – don't look at this. And, but, <laughs> but, but look, it's all fake, buddy. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty obviously fake. It is, but it is also gruesome too. I mean, there is an explosion. There's blood and guts, and sure. He he said, "Dad, looks like Raiders Lost Ark," and and it was. It's akin to that scene. It's more like David Cronenberg directed the California Raisins commercials. Right. Well, I haven't, you know what the thing is, that was his reference point. I haven't let him watch Scanners yet. You know, when we get to Scanners, then he'll go, oh, Dad, it's more like Scanners, less like Raiders Lost Ark. So that's that's the kind of thing. First, toilet training. Then complete sentences, yes. then scanners. I don't know why you're denigrating having children when you got it all down like that. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> you could be doing it. Okay, so what's your what's your best? Uh, do you agree with me? Are you stand back, stand back in the middle of the room? Okay, is what I have to say to you because my best 
and I did not and I did not think I would be saying this by the end of season one is also conspiracy, believe it or not. Wow. Can you believe it? We're like uh, three for three. I, 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 am, I am smacked right in the gob. Yeah, gob smacked. Are <laughs> you, you going to tell you know the, the audience the that you used to live? Go-, <laughs> go ahead. Do your, do your bit. <laughs> Let me get this stupid joke in. The gob smack is my favorite entity. So go ahead. Tell me. to. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we, glad we made room for that. Are, are you going to share with the uh, uh, listeners that uh, you live next door to Stevie Nicks' hairdresser for several years? Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. That's right. Oh, thank you. You know, we didn't cover that in the show. Look, look, look. One of the, my favorite things about this whole year of Star Trek so far has been we've revealed so much about ourselves. And, and that's one that I forgot. And now you're reminding me of my own past. Thank you. I did. I did. You're quite welcome. She was a very nice lady. I, there's nothing... Nothing interesting about me to reveal. Well, wait, wait. There's got to be something more interesting than living next to Stevie Nicks' hairdresser. Are you kidding? <laughs> I live next to Paul Lynn's podiatrist. <laughs> I did not remember that episode very fondly until we rewatched it this season, and I just really love that episode. It's got a couple of my favorite moments, especially the one where they're running their hands through the maggots. And that one, the one, I think it's the <laughs> yeah, Vulcan gonna... uh, Admiral says, relish in your new body. Come, brother, relish. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to get Riker to eat a bowl full of uh, maggots. And they're real. They're real maggots. So, Andrew, what do you think of as your worst episode of 1 through 25, S-T-T-N-G? If we don't agree on this, then we're not moving on to season two. Because if you don't say Code of Honor... I, I, I don't know that I can speak to you anymore. I know. Code of Honor is not only the worst episode of the season, it's the worst episode of the series, if not the worst <laughs> episode of the entire damn franchise. Code of Honor, yes. Code of Honor, Code of Honor. A lot of conversation about cancel culture. Yes. If you're going to cancel something, cancel Code of Honor. Right. Well, yes, it may even be the worst thing on television in the last 30 years. I, You know, I chose that one, too, of course. I had to have a runners-up because it was obvious. I mean, anybody that watches the whole season of that goes like, oh, what, what is happening? And, and go back and watch our episode three, folks, if you want to hear us go on about Worf, it. Worf wasn't even on it. That's that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Michael Dorn was like, you know what? I'm staying in my cabin. That was our joke at the Mr. time. Mr. Dorn! Mr. Dorn, it's makeup call. Come on, we need you on set. I am not coming out of my cabin until this nonsense is over. (laughs) It kind of also sounds like Armus. No, that was good. We only have so many voices, folks. So what's your runner-up? My runner-up, it's really, it's got to be symbiosis. And, and, I'll, and I'll say, there's a, a number of episodes that are kind of on that same level. Like, we'll always have Paris as sort of in the same grouping, I would say. But it was really hard to get through that symbiosis. And I think in our on our show, we made a lot out of it. There's a lot of weird stuff right. in the episode. There's a whole war on drugs thing yes. going on in that episode. And it's so silly, and it's so 1988, <laughs> that it's easy to look back on it and think it's ridiculous. I, I mean, I was introduced to drugs by... Nancy Reagan. I mean, I didn't know a thing about drugs until Nancy Reagan came around and started telling me <laughs> how I'm not supposed to be doing these drugs. And I was worried for years, like, when are these drugs going to show up? And I'm going to start being, you know, <laughs> told I better use them. I mean, it was a very complicated relationship Dave? I was having with Nancy Dave? Reagan. It's me, Nancy. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to come by later in the van and I need you to come out. <laughs> 
We're going to listen to some eight-track tapes in the back of my van. I just got some shag carpeting in, <laughs> but I want you to smoke this doobie with me. All said, the episode is really boring, and it's to me it's really tedious to watch a show where people are strung out on drugs and then they're suffering. It's not fun, and we've seen it so many times. Out of all the episodes of the season, that's the one I enjoyed watching the least outside of Code of Honor. Can you can you guess what my my runner up would be? I I think you can if you really think about it. I think it's uh, I think it's Paris, isn't it Paris? No, no, no. It's too short a season. Oh, well, well, too okay. short a season okay, with wait. Admiral Jameson. Yes, listen, listen. I would have said that one too, but we made so much hay out of that episode that I could I couldn't even put it on there because I, I get it. <laughs> it's so bad, but it's so bad that it's fun because it's so ridiculous. The symbiosis is so boring. It's just there's nothing, there's not much to say yeah. about it because yeah, they yeah. don't do much. And, and I mean, too short a season has that uh, that incredibly disturbing reverse old age makeup, the the weird relationship <laughs> yes. between yeah. this, this young actor being this old guy and ha- trying to get it on with the other old actor. And it's just, it's so- and the giant worthless <laughs> yeah. chair. But it at least has Michael Pataki chewing it up at the end. Yeah, he's good. Too short a season. It, it kind of stands out to me for the same reason that Conspiracy does. It's mm. not like any other episode. It, That's it, true. It has nothing to do with the show. It could be an episode of any other show. A one-off character who's connected to no one right. comes into the show, reverse Annie. ages, and dies. Annie, it's me! <laughs> Annie, it's me! I'm getting Annie younger! To Gordon Hair. We have got some really good audio from that one. <laughs> is this a... Is this a- Galaxy-class vessel, you say? Huh? Hang on. (laughs) Engage! (laughs) I'll never forget you, Commander Jameson. It's also got that disturbing... Admiral Jameson. Apparently you will, because it's Admiral Jameson. Uh, You're giving the the son of a bitch up. I I demote you, Commander Jameson. Admiral. I gave him a demotion. I called him... uh, (laughs) You know, okay, in. yeah, I got you. All right, and and the, you know, the, let me just mention this other part of the episode that's disturbing too. Is also at the end of the episode, yes. <laughs> Jean Luc is trying to make this dude who's a, a war criminal, this Jameson. He's trying to make him feel better about his choices that he made you know, forty years ago. Yes, and he, yes. he made some yes. very bad choices. That's right. And, and they would you call them? What do you think they call crimes against humanity in space? Do they still call them crimes against humanity? Uh, I think there should be something bigger. Crimes, crimes against. Uh, just major crimes, dude. Crimes against the Mega universe. Crime, dude. Crimes against the galaxy. <laughs> galaxy class crimes. Yeah, uh, the guy's a bad guy. <laughs> galaxy class crimes, exactly. It's the saucer separation of crime. Right. That's how big it is. Stand back. It's we're ready for saucer sep. Okay, speaking of saucer sep. Uh, yes. So we have this category best and worst action moment. And I need to hear what your best is, Dave. Well, first I want to let me just cue up a little action, Andrew. Action music. Do you remember your action music, Andrew? <laughs> is he gonna shoot that ball? And he's like, Phaser. I need my Phaser. You remember that one? Yes, I do. I love. I do. Back to Conspiracy, episode 24. I love the fight between Admiral Quinn and Worf and Riker and, and Geordi. And then finally, um, Beverly sees this old guy and he's possessed by these bug creatures that have climbed up inside of him somehow. And they're, they're, they're making him extra strong. He really, he really socks it to the cast of Next Gen. I can't believe 
that this is the case. But in fact, it, it it's not the whole action scene. Hmm. But my favorite mode of action is when Beverly comes in and just phasers the hell out of him <laughs> at the end. When in conspiracy, Admiral Quinn has beaten up Riker, right. beaten up Worf, thrown Jordy through a door, and Bev just stands there with her hand in her pocket and phasers his ass like all out non-stop phaser and she'll even tell Jean-Luc later you got to set this thing on kill so she wasn't messing around and I just love it she's not freaking out she's not panicking she's way too cool she's way too calm Uh, Beverly set it to Hippocratic Oath I can't believe again yes crossover your worst better not be anything close to mine what is it now this is killing me uh, my 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 worst action moment. Yeah, I, this one's obscure. Okay, on the Data Lore episode, this big action sequence that I think you call the Battle of the Barrels, where Data is throwing. Yes, the Battle <laughs> Data of Data and Lore are throwing the barrels at each other, and they do it because they're creating a split screen effect, so they can't have the you know yes. they can't have Brent Spiner actually fighting himself. It's way too complicated, and the episode actually does a quite a good job doing split screen stuff. But when it comes to fighting, they just can't do it. So then the the two robots are throwing barrels at each other, and and so it's silly as shit. What I think the even more ridiculous part is when they when they fool Lore into getting um, beamed off of the ship. He shoots his his phaser at them and lore and the phaser disappear all at once it's got like a a, a a phaser beam moving at the speed of light disappearing getting transported away and and so i'm going to call that my worst with a little caveat that i do have a runners up if that one wasn't bad enough for you so my worst and again you you you've mentioned it is in the battle picard shooting the ferengi control globe so you <laughs> yeah. mentioned that horrible music that's the that music I do, or that action music that's that the I music do. <laughs> And that's from that. It's the stupidest action right. moment ever. Because all he has to do is whip out his little phaser and shoot the globe, and they build it up like it's yes. the end of Avengers Endgame or something. Right. This is going to be the grand battle, and, and it's just dumb. And again, this was done like in standard def, so okay, I'm willing to let this part go. They use a stunt double that looks nothing like Patrick Stewart. It's got a full head of dark hair. And in high def, of course, you could see it's not Patrick Stewart. It's sold to us as this big action conclusion. No sale. (laughs) What's your runner-up? It's from episode nine, Hide and Q. It's the vicious, what do we call those guys? Vicious animal things, the vats. Oh, the vats. You know, Q's creating all this mischief with the crew down on the planet, and War fights the vicious animal things, and it's just so silly. It's like, you know, Michael Dorn and his mask and these vicious animals that he's fighting with. And it's just an, it's kind of a, an embarrassing snapshot into the characterization of Worf. You're much more thoughtful about this than I am in, in terms of that scene, because that was on my short list. My big problem was that they send Worf out there by himself. He, he does a horrible job fighting these things. Right. Meanwhile, superpowered data... <laughs> <laughs> and and isn't I don't know if Yar is still there or if she's in the quote unquote penalty box. The real security chief, they can't be bothered to go out there and back this guy up. Right, they're just standing. You around, know, they're yes. just like, yeah, let's see what he could do. At least something actually happens, and they don't just like build up to a sleepy old man shooting a globe. <laughs> the battle. Uh, next up is our best and worst secondary character you will not have this maybe she only shows up once maybe she is credited as young female ensign from encounter at far point what she's played by pat marita's wife 
Evelyn Guerrero, she checks out Riker's ass oh. after showing him the worthless directory feature that we never see again. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And she totally sells it. She gives him the once over twice. Yes. And then just kind of wanders on her way. I didn't know that was Pat Morita's wife till I was looking her up for this particular list. Oh, okay, because I never heard that before. All right, wow. It's Mrs. Miyagi, and she sticks with me. Daniel-san's mom, right? Yeah, stepmom. Yeah, okay, okay, that's good. I guess my favorite secondary character it would have to be Ensign Leon Sue, your, your favorite Julia Nixon. Oh, yes, yes, Julia Nixon. From Arsenal. Julia Nixon. Arsenal Freedom. And, and she's a character who we mentioned who we would have liked to have seen more of because the actor is really quite good and she was creating a compelling character. And a, a young ensign on the ship, she really shines when she is asked to step up by Geordie LaForge as he commands the battle bridge. And, and what else is Julia Nixon famous for, Dave? You took us to school in I, I, one of our uh, past episodes when you did your uh, <laughs> Rambo First Blood Part 2 impression of Julia Nixon. She is famous as the tracker <laughs> who aids John Rambo on his return to the NOM. <laughs> Andrew's Hollywood moment! <laughs> so why don't All you right. tell me who your worst secondary Oh my God. Is? Yes. Oh no! Wait, it's it. You're you're doing this. Why don't I tell you what my favorite worst character is? No. Why don't I tell you what my favorite worst <laughs> secondary character is? I'm supposed. You're supposed to ask me <laughs> to tell you. Oh, Jesus Christ! So Andrew, what so is Andrew, this? T- tell me what your fa- <laughs> worst secondary character. Yes. For the first time ever in STTNG's history, it's a tie. Tie, tie, tie. Okay. Between Engineer Logan and Arsenal of Freedom and Engineer Leland T. Lynch in Skin of Evil. (laughs) Just a couple assholes who I would have sworn were the same (laughs) character because essentially they are. They're just jerks. And engineering. And you you actually got them mixed up in one of the episodes, I believe, because they were so similar. They're the same character. Two different actors, though. They're both like white guys with brown hair. They're both in engineering. One is going to hassle Jordy. And he's just there to be a jerk. Uh, Logan's his name. Oh, that's right. Logan. Logan, don't exist until I leave the ship. And then become a problem for Jordy, please. Jordy is doing his best to keep the ship in one piece in Arsenal right. of Freedom, right? All of the command crew, besides him and Worf, are are down on the planet, getting shot at by drones. He's trying to keep the ship from being blown up, and this guy just keeps saying, you know, I should be in charge, right? Right. You know that, right? You know, I should be in charge, right? Why don't you just let me be in charge? Hey, you know who should be in charge? <laughs> me. Yeah, yeah, this he's, guy, he's not helpful jerk. at all. I agree. Is he just down there in engineering the whole time going, good decision, Picard? That's not what I would have done. And Picard's like, Mr. Logan, give us more power. And he's like, oh, yeah, I bet you want more power. Why don't I come up there and run this ship? Oh, I'll show you, Frenchie. And then he looks at the button, like the comm button. He's like, holy shit, I left it open. <laughs> Logan, my ready room. <laughs> Then Deanna Troy is in trouble. She's on a planet. She's she's we didn't know that we don't know this yet, but she's being harassed by Armus, and Leland T. Lynch is getting sassy with Picard because he's realigning That's a right. dilithium crystal. 
What a jackass. All a right. couple There's of a, jackasses. Nobody knew that the Enterprise is full of such jerks. I don't know how they got in there, but they're both in there doing things that the Great Bird didn't want done. Caw! Caw! The great, great Bird! <laughs> the boys and I want to know. We're writing this scene with Geordie LaForge, and we want to know, would it be okay if we wrote in a dickhead? Is that all right, Great Bird? Every engineer I've ever met was an asshole. This guy, Leland Logan Lynch, asshole. <laughs> I, I thought it was just going to be one guy. Caw! Caw! I'm the Great Bird of the Galaxy, damn it. Thank you, Great Bird. So who is your worst? Who My your worst, worst? Looks, listen, I have a split. I, I do have a split, and I, and I think it'll make sense to you when you hear who the two characters are. My least favorite characters, and even though I, I, I just made this argument about how the, the episode itself brought us so much joy, but I'm gonna, I'm, gonna split, I'm gonna split it between Admiral Jameson and his wife, Annie. Oh, wow. I'm blaming the Jamesons on this one, okay? They're, they're a drag, the two of them. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because now we're going to talk about the best and worst character, guest character, and uh, I think you could probably see my worst one coming. But uh, let's talk about who you think the best guest character. Someone shows up on the show, there for an wait, episode. Wait, wait, hold on a second. Did I, did I do that wrong then? I mean, somebody in the crew? No. Oh, okay. No. No. But is that right? Because I want to revise it. A bit. There's nothing wrong. There's no way this could ever be wrong. There's nothing wrong, Dave. It's okay. It's like the Enterprise. We're out here in uncharted territory mm. where no one has gone before. So, guest character, someone who's popping in for an episode, a little friend from outside the ship. Who's your best guest character? Uh, I'm going to do a little split again, okay? And I hate to do this, but do I, I'm just so deep into the show at this point that it's hard to make these decisions. So I'm ho- I hope I'm revealing something about myself and the show by by giving you my little split here, okay? Okay. John Delancey as Q and Majel Barrett as Loxana Troy. Wow. I, I, I love John Delancey so much. The way he just like pops the bubble of the pomposity of that show is is never-endingly pleasing. The other way it's done is with Loxana. She returns to the show as Deanna Troy's mom, and she does the same thing. She kind of turns the rules and the nonsense of the show on on its head, and and I'm going to let them share their uh, trophy there. Wow. Okay? You're you're a giver. I I will admit that Loxana is my second, but number one, Mm. oddly enough, is Mr. Hom. Right. He's great. I'm sorry. I love Mr. Hom. Her her servant, Mr. Hom, is the best. Played by Carol Strickian, the 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 giant who lifts that giant suitcase as if it were nothing, who just can't stop eating and drinking and hitting the gong. Every scene he's in, he draws my attention. He's like data in that sense, right? I, I cannot not watch him when he's on the screen. So even right. if he's just in the background being a goof, I, I can't get enough of this guy. And and my second one after Alexander Try, I guess my third one would of course been Armin Shimmerman as the cover of that box. Oh. I, I will never forget Armin Shimmerman. So these oh. are all Haven, a, a trifecta for Haven. There, yes, yes, big episode. Okay, so who's who's your worst guest character? A worst character? Yes, I, I got to say it's it's Leland, the twentieth century expert, <laughs> and, and he shows up in the Big Goodbye, and he's my least favorite because he's so ridiculous, and the actor doesn't really do much, so it's no 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 slight on the actor, or the performance, or anything, but there's just nothing to the character, and they bring him in just so he can get shot. Yes. They want to 
make it seem very threatening because things are going awry in the holodeck. They're in this program back in the 1940s in this film noir type story. They bring Leland in and he actually exists on the Enterprise as the 20th century expert. It's baffling to think of his job on that ship and how useful it would be to have a 20th century expert around. Who they will not call during the Neutral Zone episode where they defrost a bunch of actual 20th century individuals. Riker, remember the 20th century expert? Air quotes. You mean Lieutenant Youngstrong? No, 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 number one. That's the 19th century expert. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about Commander Whelan, the 20th century expert. I know, I love that. And and maybe someone at Starfleet got the memo and just like, seriously, we got that guy on there? Get get him the hell off that ship. Maybe he was on leave, you know, like some of the characters are. Maybe he was doing like a house call to another Federation ship because, you know, they they came across some other 20th century situation. Yeah, they found a, a, a cache of DVDs of Happy Days, episodes of Happy Days, and he was just knee deep in Fonzie exploration. (laughs) Right, it's so weird. Okay, so my worst is Admiral Jameson, of course. So we don't need to go into him again, but I do want to go into my second place, which again is back to Haven, and Wyatt Miller. Dr. Wyatt Miller, the supposed betrothed to our our beloved Deanna Troy, this ersatz Imzadi who is getting between Riker and Troy, even though Riker and Troy's relationship is weird at this point. This guy is so boring, and he carries his pencil drawings that he rubs against his sweater, and when he ends up on a ship of lepers I, I i just i feel bad for the lepers <laughs> i wish that they hadn't done some of the things they've done to deanna in this first season the guy shows up and she has no ability to say you know what mom i'm not gonna marry this dude after all you know i've got this strapping second in command here you know she's like mom they call him number one for crying out loud how can i give up a number one for this guy Let's see Wyatt straddle a chair. (laughs) When was the last time he rubbed his pelvic floor across the back of a chair, okay? (laughs) Think about that. Moving right along. What's what's the next category, Dave? Listen to this one. Listen to this one. What is the best worst alien race? I got one for you, and you're not going to see this one coming. What do you think I'm going to say for best? Uh, I think you. I know what you're going to say for best, and and I I might. What have am said I going to say too. for best? Romulans, Romulans. No, I am not. I am okay. not. All right. I am going to say the Benzites. Ah, uh, I age. forgot about the Benzite. Huffing that the, those pink fumes all episode. It's Mordock the Benzite. Mm-hmm. He's got that weird long pinky. And then he's just got that brainy arrogance (laughs) and humility thing going that kind of like, he's just a cool dude. He's not very flappable. He is just so sort of odd and alien without being obnoxious about it. And it's not just forehead of the week either, right? He doesn't make a big deal. He's not showy. Sure. He to me was really, really interesting. And I'm sorry we're only going to see another member of his race one more time and we're not going to see more of them. I thought they were fascinating. He's got that catfish look. I loved him. I loved him. I, I, I send more Benzites. <laughs> I, I don't. You know what? I had a hard time with the favorites because, you know, I would have said the Romulans, but I don't really like what they do with the Romulans. They're the one episode that they're in, they just kind of sit around. They're they're pouty, and you know, they don't do anything interesting. And I guess I, I I'm gonna go for, and this is mainly for the fun they they cause for us is the uh, binars. I, I'm gonna pick oh, the binars. Oh, nice, nice. As my favorite alien race, and and you know they're ridiculous. 
There's no reason that we needed to see them again. <laughs> they're just kind of cute and lovably nonsensical in the episode. They're, they're this race. They're all bonded. And so they, they've got some kind of a hive mind. They, they finish each other's sentences when they speak. And it's just beyond silly. So I'm going to pick them as my favorite. We talked about them as being bizarrely specialized and the fact that yes. are there other alien races like that that are that are that equally specialized yes cool uh, you know i i also might have said uh the klingons too but you know we've had klingons for so long and there's some other much better klingon seasons but i i gotta say we we talked so much about those binars back in um one one zero 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 one 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 zero one. How can I forget? Yeah, yeah. A good episode Nine of hours. our podcast. Let me say that, that was the best part. Yeah, the, the the show not so much a podcast. Great. Thank you for asking. My worst. Yes, the Aldean from When the Bow Breaks. They're a bunch of sterile kidnappers who literally kidnap oh. kids. They're supposed to be so smart, right? Like, remember, this whole episode starts with them saying, like, oh, it's so mysterious. We'll never find this place. They find it instantly. And and these people are so dumb, they don't even know algebra. <laughs> and and I don't blame them for that. Algebra's horrible. They have the stupidest plan. They're lucky the Enterprise just happened to be flying by. They kidnap these kids, which I guess to create this incredibly small and inefficient breeding pool. Right, that's not going to save their race at all. Right, and then they just have them carving dolphins. They really are just a dumb that. bunch of dumb people. Yeah, that's my favorite carving episode. I, I think out of all the episodes in this first season that featured people carving things, I think that's my yes. favorite. Harry carving that fish. Not a fish, Dave. It's a dolphin. A dolphin's not a fish. As one of our listeners mentioned to me, <laughs> I'm going to play the joke. Okay, here's the joke. Okay. <laughs> And Dad, look, I, I carved a dolphin. Look at it for crying out loud. Great dolphin. I got to make one of those in a replicator. Yeah, how many times have I told you, you little idiot? Dolphins are extinct. What the hell use is this? <laughs> Next thing you know, you got you to gotta do a humpback <laughs> whale. You know, a whole <laughs> ship had to go back in time to bring those things. G- great job, Harry. Carve more extinct fish. It's a lot funnier to say fish than dolphin, okay? Listener, and you know who you are. You're talking about a child fake carving a dolphin on a science fiction show from 1988. (laughs) What are we, what is this, not another marine biology podcast? I I mean, (laughs) we're... Not another flipper podcast. (laughs) No, wait. Not not another flipper podcast. Up next. You're, you're... the category you've been waiting for. You've been sitting there oh, at, wait, wait, at I home. Did, <laughs> I didn't do my uh, yes. worst. Oh, uh, what's your what's your worst? I think it goes without saying. It's my favorite. It's a Ferengi, Andrew. <laughs> How could you not guess? Oh, yes. It's me, Andrew. It's me. It's, it's your favorite. I'm so glad we do this podcast remotely because I would be drenched. Yeah, that's why I, I, I have a, a spit screen up. So next up, everyone's favorite. You've all been waiting. I wonder what the answer is going to be to Dave's best and worst entity. Well, it's uh, I, I hate to surprise you, but it's Q. Oh, Q ball. Huh? If we're calling him an entity, if we're doing that, is he in the same category? Is it just regular Q or or French Q from well, Hiding Q. Which Q is it? I like our you know encounter at Farpoint Q better, but 
French Q is from Haydn Q, and he has some really great moments in that too. And I, I don't know if you remember, but he turned into a three-headed Aldebaran cobra in that episode as well, and that's one of my favorite parts. Oh yeah, never forget that. I also have to go with Q. I mean, it, it, John Delancey, as you mentioned before, is is delightful. It's it, he's fun every time he's on. I think one of the issues is the the show's over reliance on entities, yes. especially in the first season. So some of the runners-up, well, I want to hear who your worst is first, and then we can talk about the runners-up. Who's your uh, worst entity? I'm going to go with one, but there are plenty that are kind of on the same page here, but I'm going to go with the cloud entity. Oh. The Lonely Among Us, episode six. It's not much of an entity, and we don't even know, we know it's an entity. It's this, uh, it's this cloud living out in space. We don't know if it's more than one, if it's entities or if it's an entity. I mean, we know there's one entity that invades the ship, but we just don't know if there, there are more of them. It's so uninteresting, even less interesting than my description of it right there. I got to say, I got to go with God from Justice. Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. I don't understand God from Justice. So he has a planet full of middle-aged white people who just massage themselves and jog all day. He he sentences someone to murder if they bust into a planter. And then when he feels that the Enterprise is interfering, he starts to ram them. <laughs> it, it's just so full of foolishness. Yes. It just seems so arbitrary. And its lack of context... And and lack of just a clear explanation of just exactly what the hell is going on there just right. makes it dumb. Don't you think there are other entities that are on the same level as God? They, they call it God because the people on the um, planet call it God. Okay, so we have the listed the Traveler, and the, the Traveler at least seems to have a purpose, right? And the Traveler's purpose is to meet people who are interesting. The Crystalline Entity doesn't really make a lot of sense. But at least it's scary, and that's kind of fun. From data lore. And we'll see the crystalline entity again. Uh, the unnamed cloud entity is just nebulous and worthless, and God from Justice is just, as I just said, dumb. I mean, keeps a menagerie of half-naked white folk as some intergalactic peep show, and we're supposed to, like, <laughs> Be afraid of it. I, I just don't. Get <laughs> well, there's all you know. There's another one, that, a missing one, uh, not on the list. Is is the custodian? The custodian is another entity. Is I no, I don't think the custodian is an entity. It's a machine. You don't, but you don't think it has the same status, the same entity status as the. No, it's just a machine. Mm. But it's running the planet, right? Isn't it? It's like Landru, but it's like Vol. It's right. you know Kirk versus the computer. It's it's a machine. And Armus is not an entity. Dave, by the okay, way, okay, I was getting to that. Listeners, Dave has Armus listed as an entity. Armus is an entity. How could you not? Armus is a puddle. Of... Hey, I am an entity. God damn it! He can. No, you're not, Armus. You are a puddle of goo. No, I can pull spaceships down from outer space. That's an entity. You're a powerful stain, Armus. That's all you are. <laughs> You're hurting my feelings. Armus has been doing a lot of work. Don't, I mean, don't you think that if you can... I, I, think, I think of entities as sort of hypernatural, extra-dimensional beings elevated in their intelligence and their sensibility. Armus is just an evil snot stain. Yeah, but he's like the embodiment of all this evil 
from this race of people that they've that they've put into this one thing. He's almost like a god. He's not a god. He's made of Metamucil. <laughs> Gods are not made of Metamucil. You're, you're just that mad because I killed that your character. <laughs> no, I'm mad because you look like something that is ruining my driveway. I got to put cat litter on you. Listen, number one. Listen, listen. It's easy. Bring me the bag of scoops a lot. Uh, data, data. What, what's his cat's name? <laughs> Spot. Data. Do you uh, bring data? Bring me the fresh step. What is this? It's easy clumping. Next up is best title, worst title. Give me your best, most favorite title from episodes one through twenty-five of season one. It's got to be Data Lore. It's a clever little pun. It has the character's name in it. It shows their dichotomy really well. All right. It's not lazy at all, which some of the other titles are. Yeah, you're right. But you got three categories: just weird ass titles, lazy ones, and then a couple that are pretty good. And I, I hear you. My favorite, though, I got to tell you, is Encounter at Farpoint. Really? I don't know. It just kind of, it's the best title because it conveys the mystery of Star Trek to me. Even when I look at it now, I still feel like there's there's something I don't know, and it entices me to want to watch the episode. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that one. You know, for the worst, there were a number of, of lazy ones that got me, too. I mean, like, I think The Neutral Zone is a pretty yes. damn lazy title. What about Conspiracy? But it is definitely the battle. Conspiracy at least has a, like you know you don't expect conspiracy in Star Trek, you expect battles in Star Trek, <laughs> but just oh, it's a battle, it's a battle. Did you hear about this battle? Yeah, it's a battle. That that is actually my worst as well. It's an episode about a battle that happened in the past. It's yet another example of this actionless season where you have people talking about things that happen or they're going to go someplace that oftentimes seems more exciting than the episode that they're in. And it's exactly what happens in that episode. I don't have a best and worst logic. Do you? I do. You know what? I actually had a hard time with this one because I started to get a little into the meta part of the show. Is it the best logic of the show or is it the best logic of somebody in the narrative i i guess my my worst logic was really when Riker becomes q and does so many stupid things as the q god yeah Riker, who has demonstrated some smarts along the way and does things that are completely illogical and totally based on childlike conception of what a god would do if he had ultimate powers well don't worry it's gonna be fine you know i can control it and then before you know it his eyes are glowing and he's, you know, acting like a real, he's acting like a really omnipotent jerk. Yeah, I guess godlike powers make you a big turd. Yeah, I guess that's what happens. Riker, you, the threat is you'll become a huge turd. So for me, the worst logic will be any moment they let Picard go down to the planet <laughs> when it's okay. clear that the danger is really heightened. Right. Skin of evil is obvious. Arsenal of freedom is obvious. Okay. You know, any time that the situation is really bad, then they send Picard down, which is the exact opposite of what they were doing at the beginning of the season. It doesn't make sense. Oh, this oil slick just killed one of our crew members and seems to have these incredible powers. What should we do? Right. Send the I'll, captain down. Sure. Okay. I'll be right down. 
I guess second place would be when Jean-Luc invites Beverly down to visit uh, Karnak at the end of Too Short a Season, when here's a guy who's holding hostages, has a bunch of weapons, is going to kill a bunch of people. Hey, Bev, you want to go with us? Makes no sense. Well, it was the most dangerous situation they'd been in outside of Q up till that point, and they bring everybody down there. That, that, right, is, that right. is silly. And, you know, and on that, the fact that they don't lock the gosh darn warp core down or the transporters is also using the same kind of logic they don't they don't lock the shuttlecraft up no locks in space so what's your what's your uh best logic i guess it would be and this is in show logic again saucer sep in that episode it made sense it it was tactical it was the right thing to do. Jordy commands the battle bridge and attacks these drones that are coming after the ship while they get the families and the children off in the other part of the ship. So I don't have a best one. I mean, I think that's a, that's an excellent one, uh, the way Jordy is able to call out that drone by skimming off the atmosphere. But the other, of course, worst logic is having a bunch of kids on that damn ship in the first place. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yes, it's a family ship. I don't know if everybody is aware of that by All now. Right. One episode, it's 2,000. Another episode, is 3,000. And maybe they dropped a bunch of people off on that space station. I think it wasn't it a, a, a 7-2 or something. Or maybe the Antikins, the Antikins and the Soleil ate a bunch of them. Who knows? Yeah. That's the episode we didn't see. Never go below deck 200. It's a shit show. <laughs> that would have been a great episode. All right, so Andrew, we've been doing this show for uh, 25 episodes, and it's taken us about a year to do it. And there's a lot of stuff that everybody doesn't get to see, a lot of magic behind the scenes. Mm, yes. Some of these yes. categories capture that. One of the things that we've enjoyed <laughs> doing are impressions on the show. Oh, okay. Give me your best impression. I, I got to say the best impression, the one that makes me laugh the most consistently is your Armus. Your Armus just kills me. Oh, Armus? Okay. Armus. Armus just kills me. And when I listen to Skin of Evil... Again and again. For, we, we do it for technical reasons, not because we're obsessed with ourselves. Because we have to edit it. But also because we're obsessed with ourselves. This editing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's why. That's why. That Armus makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Note to self. Gosh darn it, it happened again. Keep my feelings a little on the inside when I bring the next shuttle down. I can't help it that I wear my hate on my sleeve. Dear Armus... Don't be so emotional. <laughs> Armus, what? Try to listen to others next time. Okay. <laughs> the way you, get his... <laughs> you actually give him some feelings and some dimension as a character that's not there in the show. <laughs> that's true. There's something about your Armus character. It just comes alive. It's magical to me. You've made magic out of ink, Dave. You've made magic out of my black heart. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad I brought you. <laughs> you. You've taken his pain and made it something beautiful for all to share. So for me, I guess my, I, I mean, this is just like us congratulating each other, okay? But if we don't do it, who else is going to? My favorite impression. <laughs> <laughs> I love your great bird. It cracks me up to no end. Caw! Caw! You know, I, I, I started out trying to do some great bird impressions myself and i don't know what it is about your great birds but uh, uh gene I, I don't want to be too critical but uh this whole picard hates kids thing is just not gonna last it, what, what, what are we gonna do about that i know we'll put him in charge of a school and then gradually over the seasons he'll soften and become a warm paternal figure just like me 
Caw! Caw! <laughs> that just never that just right. never gets old for you, does it? You and maybe one listener <laughs> think that that's the best. It doesn't necessarily sound exactly like Roddenberry, but it sounds exactly like the Roddenberry that we've created on our fictional behind-the-scenes world here on the show, and I think it's... My, my, my greatest bil- ability as an impressionist is to sound nothing <laughs> like the person I'm trying to do the impression of. Well, the thing is... The, the... All right, we need someone here on the show who could do an impression that sounds nothing like me. Who do you got? This is why I love it. Well, first of all, it's hysterical, and I love the kind because he, you know, he, he he obviously never did that. But what I he, if you listen to interviews of him, he's very <laughs> he's soft spoken in interviews. Okay, as we've dug into the show a little deeper, you've read about his kind of mistreatment of people and his sometimes not so great behavior behind the scenes. And I, you know, for all the great stuff he did for science fiction and for a lot of these actors. Uh, we've also heard some kind of negative stuff about him, and I and I think it's funny to, to lampoon him a bit. Your voice does exactly that. No, well, thank you. Thank it's you. It's funny as shit. The other one I love is, is anytime... There's a computer sound on this show. I love, <laughs> I love the. We do this Twiggy. Bigga, bigga, bigga. I'm way too old to be laughing and stuff like this. When bigger, I'm bigger, editing, bigger. and I love your robot voice from the original series. <laughs> Let me play a little bit of that. Hold on. <laughs> and Nomad's from the original series, and Nomad is basically like uh, he looks right. like a vacuum cleaner, and he floats around and talks like this because that's how robots talk. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Can we do the whole podcast like that? No. <laughs> it would be so funny. It would be funny for about 10 seconds. It, it would crack my ass up. I love that stuff. I love it. There's this funny one that I love so much, and it's because it's got uh, me doing multiple, and it's got you doing uh, Commander Chekhov from Star Trek. Oh, yes. To- yes. Captain Kirk put you on the. City Alpha Thief. This is City Alpha Five. So, how about uh, what do you what do you think of as worst impression? The worst impression is my impression doing your impression of Picard <laughs> because I, I can't do Picard, but I can do you doing Picard, and your impression of Picard is awful. <laughs> no. So, my pr- impression of your impression is even worse. Well, listen to this, a little bit of this. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play something for the fans. Okay. This is. I understand. This is my first episode Picard. Here it is. Well, I'm working on it. It's one of my life goals. Life goals. Do you, do you know? <laughs> life goals. It's one of my life goals life is goals. to to perfect this uh, Picard impression that I'm that I've been working on for quite a long time, actually. Now, uh, it's several several years, decades, in fact. Decades. Yes. Number one. I, I, so uh, yes. I, okay. So I was I was a little bit older than you because I'm a little bit older than you. Tell me more about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And versus my late season Picard, and I and I got to tell you, I've done a lot of work, and I think he sounds a lot better. <laughs> Adios, Beverly. Catch you in season three. Let's go mind the store, Commander Riker. You give me fever. Ding, 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 ding. With your clip show, <laughs> is that your bone you're playing on? Back me up, number one. <laughs> Excuse me, we don't have dickheads in the future. You just, just you wait until he shows up again in season two. It's it's really a growing, it's a, it's a growing thing. I, I think the best part of the Picard is that you're never ending <laughs> enthusiasm to, to, to improve your Picard. 
How about you? What is the worst uh, impression for you? Okay, well, well, one of the things that I do that it's outside of Picard is I, uh, for some reason, when I'm doing Ferengis or when I'm doing Klingons, I somehow, I, I oftentimes break into a Reverend Jim. I, I break into a, uh, <laughs> a weird Christopher Lloyd. Klingon bastard, you killed my son. Admiral Kirk, give me Genesis. Marty, Marty. Marty. <laughs> it's your kids. Who's the vice president then, Marty? Jerry Lewis. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I, the <laughs> my other worst is when you do Sean Connery as Picard. <laughs> Engage. What's wrong with why Sean Connery is Picard? <laughs> Make it show. Make it show, money, buddy. I, I know I know you've mentioned our, our drawing skills. Oh, yeah. What about best episode art well you know I, this 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 actually took some some serious thinking for the best one it's, it's a fun part of the podcast is doing this art but where no one has gone before i still think is one of my favorites just because how dan Closish my wes ended up looking in that yeah and if you go on the website and take a look at it, it's episode five. I didn't mean to make him look like a Dan Klaus drawing. As I worked on it, I, I noticed it started to look like a Dan Klaus drawing. So I just <laughs> leaned good. into it. And I just wanted this like kind of sweaty, uncomfortable looking Wesley for it. And, and I, I think I pulled it's, it off. It's, I'm very it's proud a good of one. I, I do I do love that piece of art. Often we're, we're doing like a mashup where we're working together and then sometimes we're working uh, uh, alone. Andrew's yes. done a lot more of the art heavy lifting. I'm more on the design end. I, I picked one that was both of us kind of working together. The art for the battle, which is one of our least favorite episodes. That is episode eight. That is my number two because the color yeah. is so great and the image is so great and it is. It's the best art for the worst <laughs> episode. Let's get to a big ticket one here, Dave. Okay. In your opinion, what is the best episode of STT and G's? Uh, oh, the best of our show. I mean, forget about the show that we're parasiting off of. We were talking about the actual show that we make. Parasiting. That's my favorite verb from the show. Yeah, thank you. I think Justice is one of my favorite episodes. And again, I'm sure that this, this hyperactivity over the Prime Directive has a lot to do with Kirk. It's like the Federation said, okay, you know, we've had I don't know how many years of this it's Kirk's fault. <laughs> We're still cleaning this up. We have teams of counselors all around the galaxy. You should see what's happened to those poor children of all. We are going to stick to this prime directive or else, people. Yeah, remember remember how your, your husband died when he was with me? I'll make sure your son doesn't die when he's with me. How's that? No, no, Bevany. I've got it under control. Let me right. think about it. And he's like putting her on. My he's son. Like, he's like, she's like, she's like <laughs> okay, you no, need no. to chill. I'm busy right now. Daddy's at work right now. Yeah, Beverly, you need to sit the fuck down. I'm talking to the robot. <laughs> Launch your manly photon torpedoes into their shuttle bays. Manual dock this one, young crusher. <laughs> That's basically a summary of the episode, right? Same bat time, same bat channel. We might learn more about justice, but since we can't, bye. And, and I guess my second runner-up, it has to be one one zero zero one 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 zero 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 one one one, and and I I just think there's a lot of funny stuff that we get to in that episode. Well, there's a lot of stuff with the the binars. There's a lot of weirdness going on between Jean Luc and Riker in the holodeck with this woman that Riker's created, which is totally inappropriate. Tell us how she is created. Number one. Well, see, that's the thing. Number one decides that he wants to fashion a woman as an audience. Right. 
he he shapes her to his desires. Make her perfect number one. Mr. Roddenberry. <laughs> yes? Please come out of retirement for five seconds. We have a very important question. Okie dokie. I'm happy to do it. Do you want to go to Binaria? What is it called? How can you forget? It's called Binus. <laughs> Riker, plan a trip straight to Binus. Right. Go right. straight to your Binus. Parisi Squares, whatever Parisi that is, Square. which I always thought was just like a Hollywood Squares, right. but I guess I'm wrong. Yar in the upper left corner for... <laughs> Yar for the block. Tasha! <laughs> That's by Peter Marshall. There's a scene in Vertigo where Kim Novak is faking her own death, and Jimmy Stewart is having her reassemble her old look. Right. Uh, uh, put these put this on! Jody, Jody, it can't matter to you! <laughs> Jody, do it for me. But, but what would he have done if if he had come in and, you know, there was another scene going on, if they were in the, in the middle of intergalactic holodeck intercourse? <laughs> he, like, sneaks back out into the hall. He's like, uh, Captain's log. Holy, holy mackerel. <laughs> I, I've got to get all the way back up to my room. I've got a big boner now. I think Justice <laughs> is the first episode where I feel like things started clicking. Right. And it's also where we start coming up with better, better versions of Star Trek. Yes. Like, you know, yes. what if this happened instead? And we come up with this this counselor show, uh, which I know someone's going to steal from us at some point, And then we're just going <laughs> to feel like saps for not doing more with that. Yeah. But Skin of Evil, I also like a lot. Oh, because yes. That one got really raucous when we were uh, recording it. We were having way too much fun talking about a funeral yes i guess i guess what you do when people die in space on a galaxy class starship is that you have a pretend funeral for them on the holodeck yar has left some recordings for everybody yes her, her best pals just yes. in case she met some kind of demise it would have been great if she would have been recorded she would have had like really black eye makeup on and like her hair had been dyed black and she's like this is Tasha Yar's <laughs> final words. So what's, your, uh, what's your worst episode of STTNGs, Dave? The, I think the worst episode is actually the battle. I, it, it's also the battle for me. We have this whole rift that we go off on. Spandex retains bodily odor <laughs> so that the costumes just literally began to stink. This one's yours, Deanna. I got a feeling I know which one's data's. Oy. I can smell wolves with my eyes closed. Here you go, Michael. So the Picard maneuver, which this ends one's up... been adorned by Dawn. <laughs> Stupid! I'll, I'll of course get rid of that. I mean, every time you say you get rid of it, it means this one's... that it's the best part of the podcast. But the this Picard one's maneuver been destroyed by Troy. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> this this one couldn't get any riper from Rika. Commander, you've left a lot of data on this one. Oh no! <laughs> Beverly, I have a crush uh, no. on your armpit area. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I'm gonna say this for the fourth time. The Picard maneuver. Hey, Dave, this has been a load of laughs. I, I got to say, I, I can't believe we made it. Yeah. But I'm excited. I, I am ready to dive into season two. Getting my spandex cleaned right now. I'm going to have a, a fresh, stinkless season two. I think that is a goal. I, I'm going to try and smell more like Diana Mulder 
than Michael Dorn. That's, That's my goal. Do you know what that is? It's one of our life goals. Life goals! Life goals! <laughs> Let's face it. Mm. The best part of making this podcast is that you, the listeners, actually take the time out of your day and follow us and listen to this nonsense. For every download, a Ferengi gets his wings and some orthodontia. We really appreciate it. Yes, yes. Uh, thank you, everyone. We love you. It's really turned Armas around. Yes. Honestly, I mean, we, we have listeners around the world. We and when do. you told us when we would have started this, that people in Gunzenhausen, Germany, would be listening to us on the regular, We it, it freaks us out I to know. think we, about we, it. Where the hell is Gunzenhausen? <laughs> it's in Bavaria, for God's sake. So next time, we have a very special bonus episode dave and i actually recorded in person in the same room well, it was obviously a while ago we discuss the first star trek next generation movie titled generations oh wow and after that we're into season two and until next time this has been st tng's not another star trek podcast I'm Admiral Andrew. I'm Commander Dave E. Dave. That's it. Goodbye. Goodbye, season one. Goodbye, season one. Let's go mind the store. Season two store. It's going to be a whole new store. I will shop there. I will buy lots of beauty products because I'm worth it. (laughs) I'm putting the meta in Metamucil. (laughs) Fucking Harvest. (laughs) Haven't had enough of us yet? Well, sit right back and you'll hear a tale. A tale of a fateful ship. Treat her like a lady and she'll always bring you home. (laughs) Join us as Jean-Luc Picard says hello to James Tiberius Kirk. I'm Sir Patrick Stewart. Let me get your log for you, William. That's right. We're watching the first next-gen movie, Generations. The movie's kind of a hot mess. It's complicated. And it's Shatner, Shatner, Shatner. Because there's all these yeah. Shatner notes in here, and there are hardly any Kirk notes. I like the notes like it's some kind of wine or something. <laughs> I'm tasting a hint of <laughs> TJ Hooker here. And all those Klingons who are also bastards. You killed my son. Klingon bastard? You killed his son? We'll say a final goodbye to the original Trek crew. And they're like signing off. Good night. And we're thinking, well, thank God that's over. Can two captains exist in the same cinematic space? Right away. Engage right away. Well, hang on, because we're about to bonus the shit out of this season. It's our gift to you from your pals at STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. <laughs> class let me ask you something uh what was the first enterprise constellation they call it a constellation class yeah okay and then the hood would be an excelsior class excuse me yeah i know sorry i I said we weren't gonna do the (laughs) we're just gonna be normal people who watch the show nerds nerds Uh, these young men aren't, aren't aren't weirdos at all